I believe the Lord's really going to speak to his people this morning. In fact, I believe the Lord has a message for everybody who's here. I prayed quite earnestly this week and asked the Lord, what would you like me to teach on this week? And it was this passage here in the book of Acts. If you could stand this morning as we read God's word, the reason why we stand is to honour the Lord as we are before him. We don't stand before me or anybody else but before the Lord himself. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 8 from verse 26 through verse 31. Acts 26, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 8 verse 26 through 31. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go forward and toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candice the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury had come down to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning and sitting in his chariot he was reading Isaiah the prophet then the spirit said to Philip go near and overtake this chariot so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the word of the Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, may our hearts be Quietened. May our minds be stilled that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to his church at this time. Lord, may we not quench the Spirit, but Lord, be moved by the Spirit. Abba, Father, have your way in this place. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Now, in our passage today, we have two people. We have Philip and we have the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, Philip is an evangelist. He is a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus. And we have this Ethiopian eunuch who is the treasurer of Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, to get the context of where this took place and what was going on, the church of Jesus Christ was suffering persecution in Jerusalem. So bad that the church had been scattered. There was somebody causing trouble. There was a man, a religious man, 
a devout man, a man who believed he was doing the will of God, as so many religious men do in the Middle East. This man was none other than Saul of Tarsus. If we look in chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, it says that this man made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. You see how relevant immediately the word of God is. What to do in a world filled with hostility? You see nothing has changed. We heard even in the news this week of what's going on with religious people in the Middle East. They're in Jerusalem. They're in Israel. They're in Gaza. What do we do in a world filled with hostility? Now, these people of Jesus were scattered. And if you look in your verses 4 and 5 of chapter 8, it says, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word of God. They didn't focus on the persecution. They didn't come up with a social plan, but they come up with God's plan, which is to proclaim his word among the people. Amen? Now, because of this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And it says he preached Christ to them. He didn't preach religion to them. He didn't preach churchianity to them. He preached Christ to them. We get the reaction of the people of Samaria. First, they were intrigued. Second, they believed. Then third, they received. They were intrigued at Philip of the miracles that he was doing. He had great authority and he was casting out demons and healing the people. They believed in the message about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And they received baptism, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that they may live out the Christian life which Philip has called them to in the name of Jesus. That's awesome. Amen? Today's message is called a divine appointment. A divine appointment. So let me define what a divine appointment is. A divine appointment is a meeting with another person or persons that God has specifically and unmistakably arranged. Notice it's God that's arranged it. God himself sets up such encounters because that person needs what only God can offer them. That's a divine appointment. I'll give you an example of a divine appointment today. There's no accident that you're here today. If you're here visiting today, that's by no accident. This is God ordained. This is a divine appointment. God wants to speak to you today. There's no accidents in the kingdom of God. Amen? There's no warning bells, no alarms. God is in full control of the situation. So let's have a look, right? As we get into this message, I'm just going to unpack this message. So let's have a look in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south 
along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, he says. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Maybe that was audibly, maybe it was in his spirit. Maybe it was very similar to how the Lord spoke to me in my spirit about this passage. It doesn't really matter whether it's audibly or in the spirit. What matters is that God spoke. Amen? God spoke to him. And the message, as so often it is with the Lord, is simple. A simple directive. A simple message. The message is this. Arise and head south. The mission in Samaria is complete. Job done. I've got a new mission for you. This is a new mission I have for you. What's the mission? The angel says this, go. Go along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, to all those who call upon the name of the Lord this morning, how obedient would you be this morning if you heard the Lord say to you, go to the road which goes between Jerusalem and Gaza today. This was challenging. I read this, I was like, well, you know, I call upon the name of the Lord, I claim to be a Christian, God directs me and I simply obey. What would you do? Philip obeyed. He was obedient. Verse 27 says this. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, and the Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury, and had come down to Jerusalem to worship. Behold, there's an Ethiopian eunuch. What's this? This is a castrated male. He was a trusted treasurer of the royal family. Now, he was a trusted treasurer of the Candice. Candice is not a name, but a title, much like the Pharaoh or Caesar. And he was a eunuch. But I like what it says here. He came to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. I'm here this morning to worship. I trust that you are here this morning to worship. Amen? He may be from Ethiopia, but he believed this, that there was one God, just one God. In a world where there's a pantheon of gods, he believed that there was just one God. Now, I believe this. I don't believe in atheism, okay? And I believe that every atheist believes that there is a God. I've spoken to, I would say, thousands of people. And I can see it in them. I can see it in their eyes. They may want to suppress that fact. They may want to ignore the fact or run from the fact. But they know. And you know that they know. Amen? You can speak with them. They can deny it. But you can see it in their eyes one thing that they know is there's going to be a judgment. They know that. I'm not, I've never been convinced, and I've met many atheists in Cambridge, I'm sure you could imagine. The clever ones, yeah? You see the fear in their eyes when faced with death? You see the reality when disease comes on them? You think you find an atheist on a sinking ship? This man is a eunuch. 
under Jewish law, he was excluded from certain religious privileges because of his position. In Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, it says this. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Maybe some people feel in their lives that they've gone too far. Maybe people say, well, I lived a life of drink and drugs and debauchery and adultery. and I've lied and I've stolen. And like the eunuch, they've been literally cut off from God. You may believe that. Maybe the eunuch believed that. And there was certainly a law to enforce the fact. However, this did not change the fact for this eunuch that there is a God and there is one God. Psalm 14 verse 1 says this. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The fool says in his heart there is no God. However, I don't believe that every man is a fool. I don't believe it. I just believe that many need guidance. Now this eunuch, verse 28, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. This man had been to Jerusalem. He'd been worshipping. He'd been offering. And now he's returning. And like a good man, he's reading the scriptures. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. In his time, this prophet was, I'd been gone 700 years. This is an old book. However, it's a book of prophecy. Prophecy is this, foretelling of events before they happen. Simple as this. The Bible is an old book. I agree with that. But it's a book that's ahead of its time. Why is that? Because the author is outside of time. He knows what's going on. He's the author. Don't forget that. During the lockdown, if we can all remember that, if we're still lamenting, the sales of scripture, of the Bible, went up 147%. They're reading to see what's going on. People contacted me galore, emails, text messages, faces popping up on my WhatsApp. What's going on? I said, read the Bible. You want to know what's going on in Israel right now? Read the Bible. Listen to the prophets. They wrote a long time ago, but they're ahead of their time. Amen? Here's one verse, Revelation 12, 12, is an answer. I couldn't escape this verse coming to my mind, considering Israel. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. I would say that's a convincing verse for what's going on in Israel. And I imagine even the Jews this morning would say amen to the words of the Lord. Now back to Philip, verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. This is divine intervention. God has sent his man to go to this man on this day. 
God is in full control. This is a divine appointment. God has orchestrated this. Divine appointment is a meeting that God has specifically arranged. Let me tell you that people here today, that God has appointed you to be here this day. You can say, my friend invited me. Family member invited me. No, God invited you to be here to hear this message today. Man is simply the human instrument through which revelation and prophecy and invitation comes. Today is a divine appointment. If you're hearing the voice of the Lord today, don't ignore it. Now, Philip ran down and he ran over to him and heard him read in the prophet Isaiah and said this, do you understand what you are reading? This is a fair question. Do you understand it? He didn't say, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? I spoke with many people and they said, well, I've read the Bible. I've read it. But I would say most have little understanding of what the Bible actually teaches. And this is dangerous. And this is why. Remember this. Over 20 years I've been speaking to people about Jesus. By and large, the population is rejecting a God which is not in the Bible. They're rejecting a message which is not there. They are simply rejecting a message that they haven't understood. And the only way we know this is by speaking with people. Have you read the Bible? Yeah, I've read it. Tell me the message of the Bible. You'll find out they don't know. That's why you're here. To be light and salt in a dark and dying world to be in all the cracks and all the crevices and all the places where darkness prevails and it's prevailing today. But you have the light of life in you. Amen? You have Christ and he is is the light of the world. Now, this humble eunuch says this. How can I? How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asks Philip to come up and sit with him. What I like about the eunuch is this. One is hungry. He's honest. He doesn't fully understand. And he's humble to receive teaching. The Apostle James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And grace this day for this eunuch came in the person of Philip. And he received, come sit and explain this to me. Come up and he gives him an invitation. Now, verse 32 says this. The place in the scripture which he read was, and it was from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 53, verse 7 and 8. But I want to read to you this morning. And I trust you'll give me grace. I want to read Isaiah 53 to you this morning from 1 to 10. I'm going to read it from a slightly different verse, translation. This is about the suffering servant. This prophet is writing about one who's going to be coming. We believe as Christians that this suffering servant is no other than Jesus of Nazareth. And the prophet is addressing the people of Israel 
from the God of Israel about the Messiah of Israel. Messiah, or Mashiach in Hebrew and Greek is Christos, and in English is Christ. It's the same thing, the anointed one. Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 10. I'm going to read it to you. And ask yourself, who is this? Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had deceived no one, but he was bruised like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. That when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Amen. Who does that sound like to you? I've read this to Jewish people, and they've gone, well, that's Jesus. And I say to them, do you realize this is in your prophet? 700 years BC? Oh, well, it must be somebody else. No, you know very well whom this is. This is Jesus of Nazareth, and it can be no other. We agreed with that this morning? Now, verse 44 says this. So the eunuch answered and said to him, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Isaiah, the prophet, may not have known, may not had an idea. However, Philip the evangelist did know. And without hesitation, 
If we look in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, proclaimed Jesus to him. Philip proclaimed that Jesus is that Messiah. Amen? He's saying that Jesus came for you. Jesus came and died for your sins. Jesus was nailed to a cross for you because you're a rebel, because you've been running from God, because you think you have a better plan than God. You think you can outsmart God, but God loves you. That's what he's proclaiming to the eunuch. Then he sent his son to die in your place for your rebellion. Why is that? Because he wants you to himself. Why? Because God is your creator. Unless the whole world and the evil one wants you and your attention, God is saying, no, 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 I love you. And I demonstrated my love. No other God has demonstrated his love towards his creation than Jesus. How did he demonstrate it? By being nailed to a tree. An innocent man, guilty of no sin. Against accusation, he opened not his mouth, but he died in your place. If you want to know how the world sees God, look at Jesus nailed to a uh, cross. That's Jesus. That's how the world sees God. Vile, wretch, they hate him. They accuse him. They whipped him. They beat him. They mocked him while he was dying for them. While he made intercession for them. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's God. That's the God of creation. That's love. Amen? That's good news. If you're not hearing that in the church, that's not good news. Now, Philip may have proclaimed him, but Jesus claims that he was this man himself. Luke 24, 46 and 47. Jesus, his own words said, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was written that the message would be proclaimed with all authority in my name to all nations, to all ethnic groups, beginning at Jerusalem. That's what Jesus said would happen, and it happens. What's the, what's the thing to proclaim? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That's the message. Repent and believe the good news. Amen? What does it mean to repent? Turn around. Stop hanging on to your life. Stop claiming that you're your own authority, because you're not. If you're not under Christ's authority, you're under the authority of the wicked one in the world, and you're just delusional that it's your own authority. You have none. You're, there's two camps. God's camp and not God's camp. And you don't want to be in not God's camp. Amen? Straight down the line, black and white, which kingdom are you in? And let me just say to the Christian here, because Christians can be equally delusional, where have you been all week? Have you been praying? Have you been reading? Have you been seeking the Lord? Don't be, have the delusion of the world. Christ is calling you. Amen? This is good news. Now look, verse 36. If we're still in Acts. I oh know, I got carried away there. Praise the Lord. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Well, I'll tell you this, what hinders people? Pride is one. Other people is another. And fear. Or yourself. Your self-life. There are things that hinder people from being baptized. But praise God, I hope we don't see it today. Amen? Amen. 
There's many things. Oh, I don't want to be one of those born-again Christians. They're all nutters. Look at them. Shouting about Jesus. Why are they so happy anyway? That's weird, isn't it? People say, are you Church of England? No. I'm Church of Jesus. Oh, you're one of those happy clappies. Oh, yes, I am. I am happy. Do you know why? Because I have eternal life. What do you want me to be happy about? Arsenal winning the FA Cup? Other grown men do, and they also cry when they lose. Oh, we're Brits, we're not emotional. Yes, you are, you're big babies. Big British babies. And you can't get happy about eternal salvation that Christ died for your sins? Come on, get with the program. Oh, we're very stoic. No, you're not. You're just deluded. Look, listen. When Christ takes a weight off your back, you know you're saved. When you're changed and transformed, you know you know him. And he knows you. Amen? Amen. You should be happy and you should be clappy about it. Amen? Amen? Now, Philip said this, verse 37. If you believe with all your heart, you may. You may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen? Amen? Paul said a similar thing. If you confess with your mouth, which means to align with Jesus, that the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, we got Paula. we got Vanessa. I sent them a teaching a couple of weeks ago about believing, about repenting, about getting right before God and becoming a disciple. So let me ask you a question, Paula. Vanessa, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. I can't hear you? Yes. You do. Then you may be baptized. Amen? Amen. Verse 38. So Philip commanded the chariot to stand still. I like that. He's a man of authority. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. The eunuch had met the conditions, and Philip, well, he baptized him. He administered baptism unto him. And this is wonderful news. Because as we're here in this place, and it is still this morning, we're not alone. We're not alone in this place. And the idea that we're alone is not quite right. Because the scriptures declare something quite different. Jesus says this in Luke 15 verse 7. He says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 respectable people who do not need to repent. This morning the heavens will open and the angels shall rejoice and the saints shall rejoice at two coming into the kingdom. Amen? Jesus said one. We're saying two this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's finish up with this. Verse 39. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more. And he went his way rejoicing. Mission complete. Job done for Philip. And he got called away, I imagine, to another divine appointment. But it says this. 
The eunuch went away rejoicing. More than that, he went away forgiven. More than that, he went away fulfilling a promise, a divine appointment. More than that, he's going to be filled with the Spirit. He's therefore rejoicing. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace and joy. This is a very happy eunuch. Before he couldn't go into the temple. Now he can come into the presence of God in the name of Jesus. Think of that. And we're able to do that this morning. To come into his presence. Doesn't that blow your mind? Started off this message. What to do in a world that hostile. But it's hostility. We just proclaim the good news. But don't you Christians have another message? No. Why don't you update your message? It doesn't need updating. The Bible tells us things that haven't yet happened. And get with the program. The world needs Jesus. The Middle East needs Jesus. Can there be peace in the Middle East? Yeah, sure, just receive Jesus, every one of you, and repent and believe. Be baptized. Until then, there will be no peace. People will be saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. Only Christ can bring true peace. Why? Because he brings reconciliation between man and God through the mediator Jesus. There's no other peace that a man can experience than the peace of God. Being reconciled once again to your creator, your father in heaven. I'm not preaching religion. I'm preaching relationship. I'm proclaiming the ability of coming into the presence of God, hearing from God, being united to God, speaking with God, walking with God, talking with God, and have an eternity with God. Amen? Now the eunuch, like the people of Samaria, was intrigued, he believed, and he received. He was intrigued by reading the scriptures of the prophet Isaiah. He believed the message which Philip proclaimed. And he received baptism, salvation, the Holy Spirit, and an eternal relationship with the Father in heaven in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today is about a divine appointment. And Jesus can forgive you, but you have to come to him. If you're not knowing Jesus and you're not saved this morning, now is the time to get saved. Tomorrow is too late. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus' name is Yoshua HaMashiach. His name is salvation. He's the anointed one who can save. Don't let any one of you who are unsaved in this place. What does that mean? Forgiven of sin, putting their trust on Jesus and his promises. Please come and speak with me. It's dangerous to leave this place unsaved. Because the world is dark. And we need the light of life, which is Christ and him crucified. Amen. He's the one that brings us into a relationship eternally. And don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything hinder you this morning from knowing Jesus. Amen. Well, look, let's pray. We're going to have maybe a bit more worship. And um, I need to get changed because we need to baptise two people. Amen? Praise God. Lord, we thank you for your word and we praise you in this place. Yes, it is good to clap, Christians. 
And we clap to you. We honor you. We want to glorify you in this place. May the name of Jesus be lifted up. May the blood of the Lamb cover all those who are willing to repent and receive all that you have for them. We thank you that you come and for the sacrifice you made. For Lord, you said on the cross, it is finished. And we praise you for that. There's nothing we can add to the cross and nothing can be taken away. Jesus did it all. Amen and amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship the Lord.